0: Congressman Lewis and I, we connected on passion and purpose, not politics and power. Do you ever wonder? Do I, Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to live an extraordinary life? Or is that only for people with exceptional beauty, brains, or talent? I know you are extraordinary. But when I look at me in the mirror, Well,
1: ordinary, ordinary,
0: ordinary, ordinary is all I see. Certainly life has to be more extraordinary than what I've experienced so far. We all feel like this sometimes, but we don't have to. If you believe that your life and everyone's life can be more connected, more inspired, more fulfilling, then you're in the right place. Welcome to this Extraordinary Life podcast. I'm Kevin Monroe. And together, we're going to discover life is extraordinary. 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 Do little things
2: really make that big of a difference? For me, being extraordinary extraordinary. 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 Is more of a choice.
1: There is something truly remarkable about that. Are you looking for a place where people are more interested in who you are? Who you are. Who you are. Put in the extra in the ordinary. That's what extraordinary is all
0: about. I want to live an extraordinary life. How about you? Hey, it's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to episode two of this Extraordinary Life podcast. If you were expecting to hear the Higher Purpose podcast, you're in the right place. Starting last week, September 1st, we rebranded as This Extraordinary Life podcast. I'll go deeper into that in a few moments. But first, let me welcome you and let me tell you how grateful I am that you've found your way here now. This podcast is a series of conversations about what it means, what it takes to live an extraordinary or extraordinary life. This extraordinary life. You see, For way too long, I thought the extraordinary life was something for other people. You know, like some of those statements or questions you heard in the opening. That an extraordinary life was for other people, but not for me. Because, well, I was just ordinary. I was too ordinary to live an extraordinary life. Then, over a period of time, I began to realize, discover, That living this extraordinary life isn't a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. You and I get to make choices every single day that allow us to discover, embrace, and express this extraordinary life. That life is awesome and amazing. And our experiences of life become extraordinary. As we do ordinary things of life with extra focus, fervor, and flair, and when we take the journey with others intentionally in a community together, oh my gosh, all bets are off what happens then. So this podcast, it's connected to this Extraordinary Life community, and you can learn more, explore more about this Extraordinary Life community at this life, different kind of domain this extraordinary.life life check us out there so before we continue in this conversation let me pause and i want to ask you what are you grateful for now yeah right now as in this moment this very moment whenever it is that you are listening whatever time of day however good or bad of a day you may be having at this moment Push the pause button and think, what are you grateful for now? Yeah, you can actually push the pause button on the podcast or just push the pause button on life if you're having a bad day and redirect your focus into what you're grateful for. So let me tell you what I'm grateful for right now. I'm grateful for the privilege of connecting with you via this podcast. Podcasting is an amazing medium. And if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know how much I love it. If you're just discovering me for the first time, you'll soon discover how much I love podcasting. And I'm grateful that we're connecting via this podcast. However it is that you found your way to listen today, I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful for this time together. And we're going to have some fun today. It's just you and me as we're kicking off this brand new podcast. Last week. We grounded in gratitude with my friends Steve Foren and Dr. Lillian Jans Bicken. If you haven't heard that one yet, you'll want to pick that up, but you can start right where you are. Just listen to this one. At the heart, this podcast is about conversations and community. You know, I discovered the conversation part over two years ago when I was just about a year into hosting the Higher Purpose podcast. I was at an inflection point. I knew I couldn't continue the way I was going. I was thinking about pulling the plug. And instead of pulling the plug, I changed what I was doing. I had, for that first year, been conducting interviews. And I flipped a switch. I don't even remember how I flipped that switch, whether it was so much intentionality at that moment consciously aware or if it was somewhat subconsciously, but I stopped conducting interviews and started hosting conversations. Often in my experience, interviews can be sterile. There's always something fresh and organic about authentic conversations. About eight years ago, I attended a two-day workshop on fierce conversations about the book by the same name. And I discovered what's become one of my favorite quotations. This one from Susan Scott, the author of Fierce Conversations. Let me read it to you. While no single conversation is guaranteed to change the trajectory of a career, a company, a relationship, or a life, any single conversation can. While no single conversation is guaranteed to have the transformational Quality to change the trajectory of your career, of your company, of your relationships, or your life, any single conversation can. Wow. And I discovered something else. Conversations have the power to transform ordinary transactions into extraordinary encounters, some of which may even be transformational. And that's what I'm gonna share with you today. It's the focus of this episode. We're gonna call it Close Encounters of the Extraordinary Kind. I've got a few to share. I think I'm gonna share four, and I've invited friends to share one of their own that they shared together, that they encountered together. And then throughout my life, I've also had a lot of epiphanies about the power of community. A little over two years ago, we started hosting events inside communities. And that's when I really began to see the power of community. And it's what led us to create this extraordinary life, community. Now, recently, I've heard a few quotations or read a few quotations, actually. Well, I heard them because I was listening to audible versions of two different books. Let me share these quotations. The first one, and this really emphasizes, epitomizes why we've created and what we're co-creating together at this Extraordinary Life community. It comes from Bob Goff in his brand new book, Dream Big. Cultivating a community isn't just a way to avoid loneliness. It's the method we use to interpret our own lives. If you have a solid community, grow it and let other people join in. Don't Be an exclusive click for a few, be a gathering place for many. Comes from our friend Bob Goff. Earlier today, the day I'm recording this, we were gathered for one of our weekly huddles inside this extraordinary life. And three of the people joining today's call each expressed struggles and admitted that it would have been easier to skip our time together. And if they had, they might have continued down that slippery slope that many of you. Like me, know all too well, right? That voice that says, Oh, you're not good enough to show up today, or I'd be better off if you just skip because you might step into the spotlight and somebody asks how you're doing and you're not doing well, so you want to hide. But coming together to a place of belonging, a place of acceptance rather than judgment, a place where you receive encouragement and support, and a place, as Bob Goff put it here, that place that we can interpret our lives together. Wowza, I witnessed that firsthand earlier today and I'm honored to belong to such a community. Then here's another thought from Bob Goff. And this really gets to the core of why we are co-creating this Extraordinary Life community. Here's what Bob had to say. As you pursue your ambitions, you're going to need some hands to hold and some friends to love so you don't drift off into the open waters. In other words, you're going to need a community if you want to achieve something outrageous with your life. I believe one of the reasons you're drawn to this podcast, one of the reasons you're listening to this podcast now is just that, that you have in you a desire, perhaps a divine desire, to do something, to achieve something outrageous with your life. You can't do it alone. We must do it together. We really are better together. And then a couple of weeks ago, I began devouring a book, Together, The Healing Power of Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World, by Vivek Murthy, MD, and 19th Surgeon General of the United States of America. Here's A quotation that just lingers with me from his book as I was listening to stop me dead in my tracks on a morning walk. The great challenge facing us today is how to build a people-centered life in a people-centered world. So many of the front page issues we face are made worse and in some cases originate from disconnection. Many of these challenges are the manifestation of a deeper individual and collective loneliness. That has brewed for too long in too many. In the face of such pain, few healing forces are as powerful as genuine, loving relationships. And one more quotation from Vivek. Creating a connected life begins with the decisions we make in our day-to-day lives. Do we choose to make time for other people? Do we show up as our true selves? Do we seek out others with kindness, recognizing the power of service to bring us together? This work isn't always easy. It requires courage, the courage to be vulnerable, to take a chance on others, to believe in ourselves. But as we build connected lives, we make it possible to build a connected world together. Wow. Community. You and me need community. And community that's connected to, fosters, and builds or allows for deep, meaningful conversations. There's such a beautiful interplay between conversations and community, and that's what we're going to explore over the course of this podcast. Now, today, I want to explore a few close encounters of the extraordinary kind. You see, most people muddle their way through life as a series of transactions. Wake up, shower, go to the gym. Commute to work, stop for coffee on the way to work, buy coffee from the barista, get to work, enter the building, pass the security guard or the receptionist. Well, at least that's the way you used to before you were just working at home all the time. You know, however it is, we have these multiple opportunities, and you can take a transactional approach to all of these and see them as one endless sea of transactions. Or, or you can awaken to a new set of possibilities and approach and embrace each of these transactions as the encounter that they potentially are, some of which will be transformational. And it's simpler than you might think. Notice I didn't say easy. I said simple. Living in an other-centered fashion is simple, but it's not easy, since most every one of the 5,000 messages you receive each day through advertisements, subtle, direct, attempt to place you at the center of the universe and lead you to believe it's all about you. So as I share these stories, let me remind you of our premise here at This Extraordinary Life, yours and mine our life is already extraordinary. We amplify and magnify the extra in ordinary by extra focus, fervor, and flair. And I'm going to share these stories. I don't do this to impress you. I really want to do it to inspire you and to impress upon you the impact each of us can have when we are awakened to the opportunities that are around us and that we notice them and we respond to these invitations awaiting us. So encounter one goes back a couple of years. June 14th, 2018, I was traveling from Atlanta, Georgia to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, long day of flights. I arrive in the evening and I met at the airport by Teresa, the limo driver. I don't often get picked up in limos, but this was one of those days. And we retrieve my bag, we make our way to the vehicle, I sit in the back, Teresa's driving in the front, and I break convention. You know, the social convention that says if you're in the back of the car, you're not supposed to speak to the person in the front of the car because somehow being in the back of the car makes you more important. Ah, forget that. As we're leaving the airport, I said, Teresa, how are you today? To which she replied, I'm feeling melancholy. Now, I don't know about you. But I've never had anyone respond to a how are you today question with I'm feeling melancholy. So at this point, I was hooked. and I said, would you say more about that? I've never heard anybody respond saying I'm feeling melancholy. What leads to that feeling today? And then she tells me that she is an immigrant to Canada. She grew up in Romania. Lots of her family are still in Romania. She is a mother and a grandmother, and her daughter had just visited from some other part of the country, maybe somewhere in the United States, it seems like, and had just left with her grandchild. So this time with family had created all of these feelings that were leading Teresa in this moment to feel melancholy. Well, it was about a 35, 40 minute drive from the airport to the hotel. So we continued this conversation and she starts telling me about her journey and all of these things. And I just ask more questions and more questions and I'm just listening and I'm leaning in to listen and ask more and ask more. We finally arrive at the hotel and we've had this delightful conversation the whole trip and she says to me, I'm your driver on Thursday back to the airport. I look forward to continuing our conversation. Now, that was a transformational encounter. Part of it because I just asked a simple question. How are you feeling? And then she responded to the invitation and shared an honest answer. And rather than blowing it off, I leaned in and asked more. You and I, we have opportunities like this. This is such a normal encounter. I mean, especially in today's world. Of Uber and Lyft and shared rides. You and I interact with so many strangers on these short temporary encounters, and we could ask questions that open the opportunity for conversation. And you never know when one of those might transform what was a transaction into an encounter. The second encounter I want to share is three days later while on this same trip, I'm meeting a friend that I knew from LinkedIn a gentleman that we had shared ideas around servant leadership over four or five years, and he lived in Edmonton. He came out to the hotel where I was staying. We met in the restaurant for breakfast. I come in at the appointed time and Dick is already sitting at the table. I walk up, introduce myself to Dick, sit down, and our server comes to the table. And our server says, may I get you a beverage? And I said, yeah, hey, my name's Kevin. This is my friend, Dick. What's your?" name? Oh my gosh, what a simple question. What's your name? This is a question I learned from my dad that most any time that I sit down at a restaurant or engage with someone who is there in a serving capacity, I want to personalize that encounter, not let it be a transaction, personalize the encounter. Well, this server was an older lady. She was totally befuddled and she's stammered for a moment. She said, just what do you want to drink? And I told her I'll have a coffee and a juice. A few minutes later, she came back. She said, I'm sorry, sir. My name is Pat. I've worked here 25 years. And in those 25 years, no one has ever asked me my name. Boom. Now I have to tell you, that's kind of mind blowing to me that it happens that long and no one's ever asked her name. That's what happened, and so we had this amazing conversation and encounter there, and I assure you that was one of those that lingered with Pat like it has me, because someone saw Pat as something other than a waitress or a server. Someone, just happened to be me that day, saw her as a person and humanized this transaction and allowed it to become a human encounter. I've got a couple of other close encounters of the extraordinary kind to share. Before we do that, though, we've got something exciting we want to share with you and invite you to consider. Ah, we're back. Let's continue this journey exploring simple encounters that take on the air of extraordinary. The next one happened just last year, September 25th, 2019, to be exact. I happened to be in London, England, to speak at a conference. And on Wednesday afternoon of that week, I had connected with friends of mine, Miranda Ash, who's the chief community officer for World Blue. We had arranged to meet for tea, and we were being joined that afternoon by Gary Turner, who's actually the gentleman who introduced me to Miranda, and Perry Timms. And Perry had, was accompanied that afternoon by Emily an intern that's been working with him for some period of time. So we're clustered around this table in this tea house. And Miranda and Perry had been there for an hour before I got there. And then I'm there and we're there for another hour, hour and a half. So this conversation had been going on for two and a half hours this afternoon, that afternoon. And the manager of the tea house or the hostess that afternoon kept walking by our table several times, And we kind of noticed that she'd look, but we just thought she was checking in on us to make sure we had what we needed. Well, shortly after this last visit, she comes and she stops at our table and she said, may I interrupt you a moment? I just have to say something to you all. I'm from South Africa. And each of you looking at Miranda, Perry, and me, each of you happens to remind me of someone that was exceptional or extraordinary in my journey and she started talking about how miranda reminded her of her favorite artist from south africa she looked at perry and i don't remember who the connection was for perry and then she looked at me and she said you you remind me of my favorite teacher from the school i went to and she said it was a christian school And it wasn't a very loving school. It was very legalistic and very harsh. But there was this one teacher who had just shown her love and extended kindness to her. And you remind me of him. In that moment, I kind of forgot British custom and being in a British tea house. It was more like an elf moment where, does someone need a hug? I sensed the emotion that was rising. And I said, may I give you a hug? And her response was, please. And as we embraced, I could tell there was something deep stirring within her and moving her emotionally, some kind of even healing that was taking place. It was truly extraordinary. You know, out of all the patrons in the tea house that afternoon, out of all the tables she had witnessed and observed, there was something different, something extraordinary in the conversation, connection, and authenticity that Perry, Emily, Gary, Miranda and I were sharing that warmed her heart and drew her in for a close encounter that is so extraordinary that it lingers. As recent as last week, we were reflecting on this close encounter of the extraordinary kind and how the memory of that encounter lingers with us to this day. And now for the final close encounter of the extraordinary kind that I'll be sharing with you today. This one, truly, truly, it is extraordinary. It lingers in my heart and in my mind, and it's been over nine years ago that it happened, although I remember it as though it were just last month. The day was Monday, April 4th, 2011. I was heading to Washington, D.C. for a consulting project with a client. That Monday, as I was at the airport, I heard my name called from the podium at the Delta ticket counter and approached the counter to discover I had been upgraded to first class. It was one of those years where I had traveled a lot. And that pays off when you travel a lot with one airline. So I was grateful to be upgraded. And as I took my seat, I noticed three rows ahead of me was Congressman John Lewis, We were heading from Atlanta to D.C. Congressman Lewis lived in Atlanta. You may or may not know Congressman Lewis passed away last month, and that's one of the things that really brought back all of these memories of this encounter to me in recent days. Well, often on flights, I take advantage of some of that quiet time to simply reflect, close my eyes, reflect, meditate, think. And it had been just a few months earlier that I had completed my graduate studies at Gonzaga University, the School of Business, where I had earned a master's in organizational leadership, my favorite course during the two years at Gonzaga. And one of the things that sealed the deal when I saw this course in the catalog, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to take this course. It was leadership, justice and forgiveness. Well, in that course, we studied the Holocaust, apartheid, the civil rights movement, and then personal tragedies. It was a rich curriculum and it introduced me to one of my favorite books that I still pull off the shelf once every couple of months, Bishop Desmond Tutu's No Future Without Forgiveness. Well, as we were studying the civil rights movement, that just stirred so many memories and it's a topic of which I have great interest because I grew up in the southern part of the United States during the days of desegregation and during the days the highlight The best years of the civil rights movement, I was growing up in the South. When I attended Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, I recall being the only white student in the class Religion and the American Black Experience. And so I've had this lifelong interest in civil rights. And as we studied the civil rights movement as part of that leadership, justice, and forgiveness curriculum, somehow I was drawn to the PBS DVD series Eyes on the Prize. It wasn't part of the course, but I was drawn to it and ended up watching all 14 parts of the PBS series. And it was through that series that I discovered what a critical role. Well, John Lewis at the time, he was only 18, 20 years old when he started his involvement with the civil rights movement. John Lewis was the son of sharecroppers in a poor part of Alabama and he had no real opportunity, and he saw the prejudice, he saw the discrimination, and at some point, he wrote a letter to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and Dr. King invited him, bought him a ticket, invited him to a rally, and through that, Congressman Lewis, well, at that point, he was just John Lewis, became an instrumental part in the civil rights movement. Well, that day, I realized, wow, what an opportunity I have To simply have a conversation and thank the congressman for his work to advance civil rights, to make our country a better nation. And so there was a point in the flight that I got up and I went by his seat and I noticed he was asleep. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to wake him up to tell him this. Well, we're about 20 minutes outside of D.C. And I saw him stir and I knew at that moment that was my moment. Because in a few moments, they were going to tell us to take our seats. And then once we landed and were deplaning, I had no idea whether or not I would have the opportunity to connect with Congressman Lewis. So I got up out of my seat, moved three rows ahead, knelt down beside him, put my hand on his arm. And I said, Congressman, let me introduce myself. My name's Kevin Monroe. And recently, I watched the Eyes on the Prize DVD series, and I told him about my journey at Gonzaga studying leadership, justice and forgiveness. And I just wanted to thank you for the role you've served to advance civil rights in our country. And he said, Well, thank you, Kevin. And he looked at me and he asked, How long are you going to be in D.C.? And I said, Oh, just through Wednesday, he reached into his pocket. He said, Call me. Call Jacob, my scheduler. I'd like you to come by my office. I've turned my office into a civil rights museum, and I'd like to show it to you. Now, folks, you just got to hear this was mind blowing to me in this moment. I thought there would just be this brief encounter, a one, two or three minute exchange there in the aisle of the plane, But in that moment, something happened. Congressman Lewis and I, we connected on passion and purpose, not politics and power. And as a result of connecting with him at the very heart of his passion and purpose, he wanted to share. He wanted to invite me in and share more. So I took his card. I said, I will call Jacob. So we land, deplane. I go to my hotel. I remember I was staying at the Doubletree Hotel, downtown DC. I went and met the client, went over the itinerary for the next two days and saw the windows in my schedule. I called Jacob and I said, Jacob. I'd like to schedule an appointment with Congressman Lewis. Jacob said, this is a really busy week. The congressman has a full schedule. I said, well, the congressman asked me to tell you we met on the plane. Now, I don't know if that's code word or what. Jacob said, I'll get back to you. Forty five minutes later, Jacob called. Now, this blew my mind because here's an important footnote. This was a very busy week. This was the week, the first time Congress was engaged in the high stakes debate about shutting down the government, the budget, what to do with the budget. So I was expecting Jacob to say no as politely as possible. Instead, he said, Can you be here at 5 tomorrow? I said, Absolutely. So on that Tuesday, I wrapped up my consulting work at about 4 o'clock, dropped everything off at the hotel. And as I was about to leave the hotel, I remembered my Zoom video camera. I slipped it into my pocket, get the metro, ride down to the Capitol. I'm seated outside the congressman's office at 445 because I didn't want to be late. And I was right outside his door in the outer office. And I remember vividly when he came out of the office, I was seated right to the left and he reached over and gently laid his hand on my right shoulder and just tapped me. He said, Kevin, I'm ready for you. Come on in. Blows my mind because there's so many images of Congressman Lewis that were of this firebrand, And he was passionate. He was passionate. But what I remember is the gentleness and tenderness, the kindness of his touch. So he walked into his office. He shut the door and he said, let's start here. And, and there was this stack of 16 by 24 photos. They were of the march on Selma. And he started walking me through this. Now, I was expecting maybe five, 10 minutes with the congressman. Forty five minutes later, there comes a knock at the door. His chief of staff knocked opened the door and said, Congressman, are you going home tonight? He said, I will. Just give me a few more minutes. Well, this was truly an extraordinary encounter. Well, there was a point right as we were starting. I asked because I knew I was in for a history lesson of my lifetime. I asked, would you mind if I recorded this? I brought a camera. He said, of course not. So he walked me through story after story and picture after picture on the wall, and it was wall to wall pictures. Walked me through all of this. The moment that I knew this encounter was truly extraordinary and one of a kind was the moment when he said, Of the 10 people who spoke at the March on Washington, I'm the only one still alive. I still remember at that moment that goosebumps just covered my body, and I knew. Not only was I having a moment of living history, but I was enjoying a truly extraordinary and remarkable encounter. It was totally unexpected, and it all began because I just had this notion to get up out of my seat, to walk three rows ahead on the plane, do something that, well, honestly, was a bit uncomfortable. I had no idea how approaching the congressman would be received but I responded to the inspiration to get up out of my seat, move forward, and approach the congressman and share my heart. Truly, truly, truly a remarkable moment in my life. And I'm not the only one with close encounters of the extraordinary kind. Here's one that comes from two dear friends of mine who are members of this extraordinary life community. I hope you enjoy their story. I certainly do. I'm so excited to invite and host this conversation you're about to hear between two friends of mine, Jason Mucci and Arlene Mendoza. And I'm just going to let Arlene start telling the story. I may interject here and there, but it's their story. But I love this story. So take off with it, Arlene.
1: So there was a call, a human's first call, and Jason was on the call, and you were on the call. And I remember that. Jason had mentioned it was one of the first times he had come to resurface and had the space and time in his schedule to attend a call and you had mentioned something about when Jason dropped off that he was going through a transitional phase in his career and if anybody just had an inkling like to reach out reach out and i think that's just like how we do it on humans first and then i just dropped Jason a note Out of the blue, right? Just out of the blue. And I just felt like, hey, I want to have a conversation and see how he's doing. And so then I reached out to you, Jason, on LinkedIn. Like, we don't know each other, right? (laughs) Like, I don't even think we had a breakout room together or anything. And then I don't know if we spoke that day, Jason. Like, I felt like we connected pretty, like, I don't know if it was that following week, but within a couple days.
2: Yeah, I think it was the following week. But you're right, it was very short order. And I remember being so pleasantly surprised to get your message. I can't remember either whether we were in a breakout room together or not. For some reason, I kind of think we were, but I'm not positive about that. But I do remember being just sort of struck by your presence. And it was the first time I had seen you. And I was so excited to just immediately right away start feeling that sense of connection with somebody from Humans First. And and so I was really excited to get your outreach, but I had no idea what it would lead to.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: and we didn't know like where we're from, what part of the country. And I think, well, that's kind of the cool thing I think about the community is that it's just, it doesn't, all that other stuff doesn't really matter. It was like, hey, someone might need something. And I've been through some challenging places in my career. And then I think that's when Jason started asking me the basics like, so where are you from? Like, <laughs> That's when I found out that your mom had been. On
2: the west coast yeah so yeah i'll pick it up from there because that's exactly what led to this trail of connection that we discovered and that is i asked where you were from and you told me you live sort of in the sacramento area but you were from santa cruz and then i said oh i was just in santa cruz because my mom was in the hospital and what's the name of the town where good samaritan is
1: san jose
2: san jose yeah it was on the yeah so said like, oh my gosh so One thing led to another geographically, and then I said my mom was in the hospital with a heart attack in San Jose, and you were like, oh, what hospital? And I said, Good Samaritan. And then all of a sudden, the sirens and the bells and the whistles started going off that, oh my gosh, there might be something deeper here. And then tell me what you started to put together in your head.
1: Well, and so my aunt is a cardiac nurse, and I was like, wait, so Good Samaritan is where my aunt works. And then heart attack. And then I was like, so by any chance, I think I asked you, like, would the nurse be Esther Doreau? Like, would that be one of your mom's nurses? (laughs) And, and out of the blue, like, can you tell a little bit about before that, like why your mom was out? Because she typically doesn't live on the West Coast and she doesn't like, that for me also blew my mind, right?
2: That's another layer of extraordinariness about this. If this is, if that's a word, that yeah, you're right. She was two thousand miles from home, in a hospital far, far away from where she typically would be had she had this incident, and she was out there helping to take care of her husband's brother-in-law, who was in the final stages of Alzheimer's, I believe, at that time, and and so she was out there taking care of. of him and then had this cardiac incident and the next thing you know she's under the care of your aunt yeah or your aunt esther which you know you and i put together fairly quickly in that first conversation that we had where we didn't know each other and all of a sudden we're realizing that your aunt really helped care for my mother when she was absolutely at her most vulnerable stage Like she was icu right and so it was in the first day or two days after her heart attack, when she was the most vulnerable of all, and it was your aunt that was taking care of her for a good part of those days. And this happened to be over the Christmas holiday. I showed up, ironically, I had just gone to Atlanta to have Christmas with my mom and see her there, only to get a call on the night of the 23rd saying she just had a heart attack in San Jose. You better get back to the West Coast. So so
1: you were in Atlanta?
2: I was in Atlanta when this happened.
1: Oh, I you flew know. from Seattle. Seattle.
2: Oh. I live in Seattle, but I had just flown to Atlanta just for Christmas.
0: And then you fly back to
2: San San Jose. Jose. Yep, on Christmas Day. Wow. Then Christmas night, I was in the Good Samaritan ICU with my mom. And I may have even seen your aunt. I I saw her there for two nights. The night of the 25th and the 26th, she was still in ICU before going upstairs. So maybe I encountered Esther and didn't even realize it. But when we made this discovery, I immediately texted my mom, do you remember one of your nurses named Esther? And she absolutely did because another sort of different type of connection, but she connected it to a character in the Bible with the same name, Esther. And my mom She's a devout Christian, and she studies the Bible a lot, and so she knew this character named Esther, and she put it together because that character or that person in the Bible was supposedly known for being a caretaker and was always taking care of people, and so she thought it was so wonderful that that name, so related to what your aunt does for a living because my mom was in really bad shape. By her own admission, she was in bad shape. She was heavily drugged at that time, so she doesn't have a really clear memory of a lot of things, but she remembers that conversation with your aunt.
0: And she remembered Aunt Esther out of all the other caregivers, specifically because of the connection of her name to the biblical name Esther, and then just the extraordinary caregiver and person that Aunt Esther is.
1: Which is so incredible, also, because I know you said that December 23rd is when your mom was admitted. So during Christmas in our home, we have a lot of traditions and we do a lot of things before, like, lead up to Christmas, like dinners and all these other things. And I remember on the 23rd, we had like a big family Mexican dinner, and my aunt couldn't make it because she was working on the 23rd. So, like, that. It just stuck with my, oh
2: my mind. Like, your aunt couldn't make it to your Christmas dinner because she was too busy taking care of my mother. <laughs> we didn't know each other at all at this point. We had never heard of each other. We had never seen each other on the human's first call. It wasn't until, gosh, three or four weeks later when we just happened to be on the same Zoom call. And all of a sudden this sort of metaphysical sort of sense I think just jumped out to both of us and we had a conversation and the next thing you know we have discovered a truly extraordinary connection.
1: I mean beyond I mean I think this is like a surreal connection but it's also how closely people are connected and maybe if they don't ask kind of deeper and deeper and more we would have never gotten to this other layer of kind of like whoa like we are all like connected to one another
0: okay so you were not teed teed up to say that Uh oh (laughs) here's what i'm marveling at is because one of the things i love talking about is the interplay of connection or community and conversation so, it's because you all were connected in a community that you even had this conversation, but you had a conversation that went way beyond the surface level of most conversations that happen in the world today. And through that conversation, the connection went deeper and deeper, and you start discovering all of this. And then a couple of weeks later, you get to meet in person. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. It like- was really, really, really remarkable. And I, want to second what kevin just said about and just you can't overemphasize enough i think the importance of trying to have deeper conversations with people because almost overwhelmingly a majority of the time if you do that you will find some it may not be as remarkable as this incredible thing that we have shared but you're going to discover a sense of connection with somebody if you just ask a few questions beyond just a regular superficial conversation and you guys know i talk a lot in my sort of other life about the importance of care and connection. And in fact, I know Kevin, we talk about strengths a lot. My number one is connectedness. So I have an appreciation or a sense for the interconnectedness and interrelatedness of things that make people crazy to say, oh my God, look at these dots, how they connect and people think I'm nuts. I get it. But this is number two. Yeah. And so I just love that you brought that out. This came about because we cared enough to have a connecting conversation. And that's part of what I think we're all about as human beings in this group, for sure, that we care enough to want to invest in learning about that other person and asking one or two extra questions that might lead to some sort of discovery. And in this case, the
0: discovery was absolutely remarkable. So let me ask you each to say something as we wrap this up. What's just one encouragement you would give to somebody to lean in and just go a bit deeper in a conversation than you may be comfortable because not everyone is as comfortable as the three of us are at having conversations. What would you say to encourage someone to just get past that kind of, Oh, this could be weird.
1: Um, I would, Well, I guess I would say that on the other side of weird is a miracle.
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> and, on the other side of weird is a miracle. Oh, I love that, Arlene. <laughs> and so just push past it, right? You never know what's going to be on the other side of weird. In this case, it was a miracle. Jason, what about you? And I just shifted
1: those slightly, like <laughs> and I wonder if I guess I'd be curious cuz I think I'm wired to understand the basics of like where you are, who, where you're from, like kind of that basic and then ask more questions and I wonder if If in addition to the weird is stay curious, stay
0: curious. Oh, I love that one. Stay curious, Jason. She stole my line
2: (laughs) and she created this podcast. Most tweetable quote, which is on the other side of weird is could be a miracle. (laughs) You've totally outdone me as often as but I would echo the same thing is care enough to be curious. Mm -hmm. or be curious enough to care and just ask a couple of extra questions of that fellow human being that you are in front of or virtually connected to or whatever it is, because chances are, take it from somebody who specializes in connectedness, there is a connection there that it it could open up all kinds of doors of possibilities or just a really magical sense of wonder about this connection was similar to what we shared here.
0: Okay, so Jason, you had a couple of tweetable lines there as well. Hey, thank you both for sharing this story because this truly is extraordinary. And I love just the way you each of you show up every time you show up, right? You just show up as your authentic, caring, conversant self. And you go past what may be comfortable and you just care and you ask questions. And Arlene, back to you. You just heard there was this opportunity to reach out and encourage. Someone that you really didn't even know at that moment. And out of this, you've developed this beautiful friendship. Thank you both for sharing that. Truly extraordinary. I love this story from Jason and Arlene, and I love hearing stories of close encounters of the extraordinary kind. I want to remind you that you and me, we have opportunities for these encounters each and every day if we'll open our hearts and our eyes along with our ears to see and hear these seemingly ordinary encounters that have that opportunity to become extraordinary. I hope these conversations inspire you to live with greater awareness, openness, and anticipation for your own close encounters of the extraordinary kind. Hey, if you're looking for a community where you belong, we invite you to check us out at This Extraordinary Life. Remember, ordinary occurrences become extraordinary when you embrace them with extra focus, fervor, and flair. I hope you'll join me in living this extraordinary life today.